This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupwithatruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Today on Stand Up For The Truth, we are going to talk about the demise of America's biblical foundation and what if anything, we can do to recover America. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another day to love you, to serve you, hopefully to be salt and light in a country and culture that really needs it. Lord, we ask for wisdom as we so often do, and uh, we pray, Lord, that you would lead us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be sensitive to your Spirit's leading. Convict our hearts, God. Help the church in America, Christians, believers, true believers, help us to repent of our sins when necessary and help us to come back to you. Lord, as a country, it's got to start with the church, Lord, and that is us, believers. It's not a building. It's the body of Christ. So, Lord, guide us. Give us the strength to do the hard thing the strength and the discipline to do what we know must be done to fight for the freedom to preach the gospel, to fight for our religious liberties, and God, for God, the next generation, if Jesus does not return. Lord, we know you're, you're preparing people right now for, for the near future, so help us, God, that we may be able to impact our culture for Christ and preserve this Judeo-Christian nation while we still can. Lord, we lift up this day to you and thank you so much for the freedom to just be on the airwaves, the freedom to have uh, programs and things we can talk about that uh, people can tune in and, and we can encourage one another and sharpen one another in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, great topic today. And our guest, uh, we had him back, or we had him on last September, Dr. Rick Scarborough. He served as a pastor for more than 25 years, and he has preached more than 500 revival crusades. And we want to talk a little bit about the need for revival and what we can do about that here in America. But he is an author, culture warrior, and the national pastor advisor for the Jonathan Project, it's an effort to encourage Christians to express their faith by voting biblical values. He recently formed Recover America Now to work in partnership with the Jonathan Project in efforts to work with churches and register Christians to vote. Dr. Scarborough has authored numerous books and booklets, including the best-selling Enough is Enough, a practical guide to political action. Rick Scarborough, thank you so much for being back on Stand Up for the Truth. Well, it's a pleasure to, David. Uh, enjoyed our last visit. Look forward to today. Yes, and so do I. Um, uh, you have a new podcast, or relatively new. It is called Mixing Church and State God's Way. And I know it's on early morning every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I believe. But people can also listen on your website via podcast. Can you tell us uh, where they can tune into your podcast? You bet. Uh, if they'll go to recoveramericanow.org. They can. Uh, there's an icon for the podcast. They're all uh, uh, stationed there. The most recent one was on the prayer of Jabez. Uh, we we do politics most of the time, but occasionally something that's just purely inspirational. The uh, the current podcast that came out uh, just uh, yesterday is designed to call uh, Christians to bold praying in these very difficult hmm. times, and so. I uh, would encourage your listeners to take a listen. They last anywhere from five to ten minutes. We keep them very uh, poignant. Uh, we originally did them once a week for 30 minutes, uh, but we found the three times a week, five or ten minutes, uh, our, our uh, uh, numbers of downloads have literally exploded because <laughs> people just uh, have abbreviated time typically. Yeah, they're busy. People have shorter attention spans with all the information uh, out there and that's available. But I, I do want to talk about one that you did called Unholy Alliance, where you discussed globalism. And also the one you did uh, on the uh, tribute to Rush Limbaugh. I want to get to that in a minute. Uh, but first, um, I, I really want to ask you, um, <clears throat> since we haven't talked to you for many months and there's all this, uh, the, the, the COVID uh, shutdowns, lockdowns, the uh, government power grabs, 
the things that are going on that we would we never thought we would see somewhat somewhat of a police state here in America where the you know it, it's because of a, an emergency due to a health concern a pandemic powers are being taken by mayors governors and the federal government that that I don't believe many of us don't believe can be justified would you share your thoughts on this uh, kind of pivotal place that we're in where our freedoms are concerned well I think you're on point David with all of those uh, items that you just mentioned we we're living under martial law, no, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Some states much more severe than others. <clears throat> you know, in Texas, I still get agitated when I w- walk into a place of business or a restaurant and, and I'm required to put a mask on. I don't wear one unless somebody straight up tells me to. And then I, uh, in deference to them and their concern, I'll put them on. Uh, but if I'm at a restaurant, as soon as I get to my table, I take mine off. Uh, I, I, a lot of this is just purely a hoax, mm-hmm. and uh, these government officials discovered how quick and easily they could manipulate the public. Uh, all of us, because we didn't know what COVID was, were, were willing, more, more than willing to comply for health reasons. But it soon became apparent uh, that there was no rhyme or reason for the way these laws were administrated from state to state. Mm-hmm. My good friend, Steve Smotherman, I live uh, in the adjacent state of Texas, yep. uh, New Mexico. Most people aren't aware. Uh, that is, it's like California and, and New York. Uh, those are the three most locked down states in the country. Yes. And small business is literally, has literally died in New Mexico. Hmm. Well, Steve uh, just stood up about a month or two into it. His, he has uh, 17,000 regular tenders, uh, probably 30,000 members. They have numerous campuses, and he's on television. He just looked straight into the camera and said to the governor, called her out by name and said, we're going to obey God, not you. <laughs> and uh, they've been fined, and they've had threats, but thousands of people gather, and there's no evidence that they're spreading COVID. No. Uh, you can go to, into Lowe's or you can go into Home Depot. There have been declared by somebody to be essential and you'll see hundreds of people strolling around. But churches are locked down, and they're locked down because pastors, by and large, haven't had the courage to stand up and say enough is enough. Uh, and uh, we're now seeing uh, evidence. I mean, we're into this 10 months, yeah. and we, we look at a state like California where the governor has tyrannically controlled the church, mm-hmm. wouldn't even let them sing, and uh, then you compare it to Florida, which is wide open, and the COVID numbers are exactly the same. So you tell me who's uh, who's right and who's wrong. Yeah, there's been double standards, and there have been so-called experts contradicting themselves. This is one of the biggest problems, uh, Rick, because people from the very beginning, I think they made up their minds early what side of this uh, debate they were going to you know, land on. But the, right. even like, like Dr. Fauci, who, uh, from my understanding, is a globalist, and I don't believe he's got America's best interests at heart, but that's just my opinion. He even contradicted himself a couple times, along with some of the other so-called, you know, doctor scientists and experts. So people were right. left to leave up their, to make up their own minds. And now we've got this divide, and then because it was an election year last year, it all became political. And by the way, we've had Steve Smotherman on. He's now uh, probably one of our top ten most popular guests because people are loving the stand that he took. And right. I think it was Billy Graham that once said when, when pastors or church leaders uh, show bold faith, it stiffens the spines of others. Uh, where do you see the church headed uh, in it, assuming that this COVID uh, thing is not going to go away? The virus, I mean, I think it's a flu. I think it's a combination of things. People are dying from other things. They're uh, saying, oh, it's COVID. But there's a, just a, so much misinformation. But church leaders still have to lead, don't they? Well, that's right. I, since you know uh, Steve, he's, he's on my board, by the way has been for a number of years. I preached for him earlier this year, but he sent me a video this morning uh, where a, a medical science uh, literally is declaring that, that, that that's what COVID was. It was a flu. Hmm. It, it wasn't some unique strain of a virus. 
and uh, he, uh, this particular doctor uh, has sent off his findings in, in studying 1,500 cases of purported COVID deaths. He sent his findings to Stanford University. They studied them and came to the same conclusion he did. Not one single person had COVID-19. They had all died of two different strains of the flu. Wow. And by the way, common sense, just ask yourself, uh, how many people had the flu this year? Flu was never mentioned. Exactly. And typically in any given year, 100 to 300 people, 100 to 300,000 people who have comorbidities die of the flu. That's a standard of 300 billion people across the U.S. Uh, this year we gave it a different name and, and, uh, these, uh, tyrants have used it to control everything, including the church. And, uh, you ask the question, where is the church going? I think there's a clear division right now. I think that there's a remnant of men of God who are standing strong and courageously standing, but the vast majority are going along to get along, hmm. much as they did when Adolf Hitler uh, took control of the church in Germany, uh, where the, the heart of the Reformation became the most evil empire on the face of the earth, ultimately uh, resulting in the death of of tens of millions of people, including six million Jews. So uh, I think we're headed to a, a same place unless there is a great awakening. And that's what I work for and what I pray for every day. In fact, if we have time, I'd like to discuss to you a plan we have uh, to gather 300, what we call Gideon's 300, uh, to then uh, lay out a strategy and sign a, a commitment that we're going to stand with God unto death. We're not going to comply with these uh, tyrannical uh, rules that we're hearing. Gideon's 300. Now, you're talking about pastors and uh, church leaders? Pastors, government officials, and uh, and, uh, and businessmen uh, like uh, Mike Lindell, men who have not bowed and who won't mm, bow. God bless them. Yeah. Um, I do want to get to the, the, your podcast about the uh, tribute to Rush Limbaugh because he had just such a dramatic uh, impact on conservatism and really where we are today. I don't know if we, yeah. we would have made it this far had it not been for him. He changed talk radio. But I do want to hear, let, why don't we do that right now, uh, Rick, uh, Gideon's 300. Let's, let's talk about that right now. Well, uh, I'm strategizing with the very men who put on the return uh, uh, Kevin Jessup and uh, Jonathan Kahn. Uh, I'm sure you followed that but, uh, for a, a, about a 12-hour period on the Mall of Washington, D.C. More than a uh, close to a million people gathered. They simulcast around the world into more than 120 nations. Uh, tens of millions of people uh, spent the day hearing uh, three- to five-minute messages and, and the people leading in prayer for our country mm. and for a great awakening. Uh, those, uh, uh, they developed quite a network of leaders from around the world. We're focusing on those leaders in America. Uh, we want to build a foundational organization and then spring that forth into, into tens of millions, hopefully, of Christians who will just simply say, as I have for the last three years, we're going to stand up, we're going to speak up, and we're going to refuse to give up. And whether it be uh, through uh, persecution and death or through a revived church, we're not going to just lay down and give the reins and, and ownership to the church uh, to men who are globalists, uh, who have no interest in the church, and who finally want to destroy the church, the true church, because she's an impediment to their ultimate plan of world control. Mm -hmm. Amen. And, of course, Donald Trump was uh, one that was also standing up for religious freedoms, and he stood in the way of the globalist plan. He even said so in his uh, U.N. speech. But you have preached more than 500 revival crusades. Um, what do you think is one of or two of the things that are preventing us, Americans, Christians, in America from another great awakening or a, a true revival what is what are some of the the blocks that are that we can't seem to get over well i, I think i i this may be too much of a generalization or, or may sound trite but it's the carnality of the church david i mm. you know you know what used to amaze us and i'm talking about people in the church now amuses us we you know, I, I, can, I grew up in an era when pastors stood up and said, if you went to the movies, you were committing sin. If you look at the movies on the 
on some of these older channels, they were innocuous. They they still uh, had a basic God orientation, and and uh, people who went to church were honored mm-hmm. uh, by and large. There were exceptions to that, but you know, in the early days of, of television and and uh, and uh, movie making, uh, there was such a fear of God in the land that they dare not. Uh, even discuss some issues. Mm-hmm. Well, Christians in those days saw any kind of entertainment as a distraction from being holy mm. and often preached against it. Today, uh, there's no reticence among the Church to watch anything. And I think that until there becomes a, a move toward holiness in each of our lives personally and in the Church corporately, there cannot be that revival. Mm. I think God is... I think we're living very much in the days of Laodicea when when uh, the, the Lord said, I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot, I would you were either cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, the good news is that those who keep their eyes on Jesus and press toward him can individually experience revival. And when enough Christians stand up, it, it never has to be a majority. Uh, God has always worked through dedicated minorities. But when a, when a crucial, minimal number... Uh, seek God with all their heart, then the the corporate uh, church will experience the blessings of an awakening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I'm being lengthy, but let me just no, give one okay. ray of hope to all of our listeners. Yes. If you look at Matthew 24, you see all these signs of the second coming, and we're losing all of them. But there's also inserted in there, this gospel shall be preached then to the ends of the earth, then shall the end come. That's the ray of hope I offer uh, Christians wherever I speak. The Bible says that in light of all these things that are bad, uh, living in the days of Noah, which we are, there will be a going forth of the gospel in such power that it will reach the ends of the earth. That could come from an awakened, awakened America. While the whole world moves toward uh, away from God, if a remnant in America would wake up, Hmm. seeking with all the heart, that could burst forth a revival in America. We have the resources, yes. we have the tools, and like any nation on earth, to take the gospel to every creature, and that's what I pray for. Um, I know our listeners are shouting amen, If uh, listening to us online across the country. We've got 33 different states from what we know of that are tuning in, and also uh, people that get our podcast downloads later. But um, people, I'm sure, want to keep up with this uh, strategy, Gideon's 300. Do you have a newsletter, or where will people be able to find out the development of that, Rick? Uh, just stay tuned, and perhaps we can do another uh, uh, radio broadcast as it nears. We're, we're still in the laying-the-groundwork stage. Okay. But sometime in the next 60 days, a whole lot will be said about it. Okay. And again, uh, re- recoveramericanow.org. Um, you've got your podcast there. We've only got uh, two minutes here, and I hesitate to even start uh, talking about Rush Limbaugh, but let, let's just go ahead and start it. We'll have to cut it off in two minutes. We have a hard break. But what are your thoughts on him? I know you did a recent tribute in a podcast. Well, I was first made aware of him back in the 1990s when I was in the in, in heat, white heat battle uh, over the school board in Nacogdoche, or excuse me, in Pearland, Texas, suburb of Houston. Some of it made me aware of this articulate uh, speaker on AM radio, which nobody listened to AM radio unless you were listening to a sports channel. <laughs> so one afternoon I tuned down during the, the uh, time that he was on the air, and my heart was ignited. I enjoyed his humor. I had sense enough to see the sarcasm and understand that some of the things he said were just designed for entertainment. But the thread of truth running through every broadcast mm. caused me to become a regular listener and I tell people I got my seminary for politics by listening to Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> I, I got to know David Limbaugh through a couple of projects. I worked hard in Missouri fighting embryonic stem cell and met his brother, a dedicated Christian, wonderful Christian author. And that relationship through David made, uh, opened me even more to listening mm. to Rush. And then later I met Ken Hutchison, a wonderful ex-pro football player, who uh, pastored a large church in Washington and got to know Rush personally. Uh, Once every year, he was interviewed for a full hour on Rush's program. They called him the Hutch. Those indirect contacts opened my heart to his his message, and boy, did I grow to love Rush's ball. 
We need to talk a little bit more about that when we come back from our break. We are with Dr. Rick Scarborough today, Recover America Now. Uh, so much more to come on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Rick Scarborough, and uh, he did a recent podcast uh, just talking about Rush Limbaugh, a little tribute, and um, it's amazing. We were just talking about his Rush Limbaugh's legacy, David Limbaugh, which is a fun, he's a phenomenal, he's a phenomenal author and apologist. And uh, his, their dad must have done something right. Uh, Rick, what, your your thoughts on uh, how the how Rush really kind of paved a new way for talk radio and gave Christians and per- particularly conservatives a voice that we would not have had on talk radio because the left kind of kind of controls uh, media, government, education. Well, when I, I did my podcast, I still I, I mentioned that. I can tell the last couple of years of his broadcast life, something had changed in in uh, Rush. He was still uh, brash and at times arrogant. Uh, he used uh, that slogan, talent on loan with God. The, the left hated that. <laughs> but those of us who knew Christ knew he was saying exactly the truth. He, mm. he understood even before salvation uh, that any gifts he had were a gift from God. All of our talents are on loan from God, and they can be taken away from us. As, as wonderfully as they were given, or as quickly as they were given to us. Hmm. But in the last few years of his broadcast life, you could tell there was a, a, a gentleness that uh, that uh, was there, and he showed more of a compassion. He was more open in talking about prayer, things like that. Well, I read, after I made the podcast, and that was just last week, I read a lengthy article about his conversion. And hmm. so it's been uh, uh, people who knew him well, and who were close to him are acknowledging that he really gave his heart to Christ. That's really not a surprise, because David Limbaugh, his brother, no doubt was witnessing to him mm. uh, with all the success Rush had. His his personal life was in shambles. He went through four marriages. Uh, he, uh, You can't live a successful life totally without Jesus. You might accumulate great wealth and great fame, uh, but relationally, it's just not going to work. Mm. Uh, well, his last marriage even to his death, and then the, the one that acknowledged his passing was his fourth wife, Catherine, but that marriage was clearly based on a different foundation. And so Christ made the difference, and he always does, David. You and I know that. That's why we're in the ministry today. Mm. But in terms of his impact on me at a distance through his radio program, I did have a couple of occasions to be in a, a smaller room where he was speaking, uh, his, his impact on me and millions of others will be only measured through eternity. But this man brought, uh, he, he never wavered in his love for America, mm. his understanding of American exceptionalism. Yes. He understood that America was a flawed nation, but that we were the greatest nation the world has ever seen because it was founded on the Christian faith and founded by believers. The left, they hate us when we say that, but we must continue to sound it from the rooftop. Yes. And that's why so many Christians were attracted to listen to David Limbaugh, or excuse me, Rush Limbaugh, because he understood those foundations. And that was given to him by his father, who is known all over the country, but particularly in Missouri, for his strong Christian faith and his strong, uh, faithful life. Hmm. What a legacy to have Rush and David uh, fighting the good fight. And, um, I want to talk about what's happening in Washington, D.C. briefly uh, before we discuss Christian nationalism. What the left seems to be doing, Rick, is giving the impression that Trump supporters, Christians, conservatives, Republicans are dangerous and they've got to put this wall or this uh, barbed wire, razor wire around the Capitol to keep the because I guess they feel threatened by um those of us who still want to believe America is a great country. Um, what's wrong with Christian nationalism? The left seems to be attacking this idea. And I want to read a quote and then get your thoughts on it. Uh, this is from Cheryl Chumley. She's a Christian conservative writer at the Washington Times. She said, Christian nationalism is all about founding father uh, visions for this country. 
The ones that say our guiding principles are those rooted in Judeo-Christianity. The ones that say America is indeed exceptional because America was indeed blessed by God at the beginning. The ones that say this country did indeed have a covenant with God, called the Mayflower Compact. The ones that say it's this basic beginning that led to all the greatness that America was, is, and truly will be. Uh, the left doesn't like this. Rick Scarborough, your thoughts? Well, the left is is committed to a global society. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have this this mistaken notion uh, that there can be a utopia created where the entire world benefits from a strong centralized government who allocates resources so that everybody quote gets health care, education, housing. Uh, the tragic reality is that has never worked. It's never going to work. Uh, it's a satanic uh, plot and plan for Satan to control the world, mm-hmm. and they can't get there until this Christian nationalism and that spirit of that movement is crushed. Uh, the reason that Donald Trump was hated by world leaders all over the, the, the globe, and particularly here in America, was because he, unlike any of his predecessors, didn't go along with the globalist agenda. He put his foot down. He, he said clearly, America is first. That's why, against all odds, he was elected, because there was still a majority of American voters who embraced the idea of American exceptionalism. But they can't get those who despise that view and those who want this utopian world society can't get there if there's one country uh, that remains true to its, pers- to, to its, to its national ideals. Uh, Trump uh, was successful, uh, not because of, uh, of his personality. I think even all of us uh, despise some of the things he, he said. And his behavior at times was despicable. Yes. We all acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But the policies he stood for faithfully were policies that bettered America, that advanced uh, Christian ideals that were based upon an understanding that God authors life and that we shouldn't take it. Mm. And because of its policies, not its personality, the country was exploding. It was, it, uh, everyone uh, received the benefits of those policies. Joe Biden is a globalist. Uh, he is anti-Christ mm-hmm. in his heart. Uh, he espouses religion. Yeah. He doesn't do anything his religion says to do. Right. And uh, he is reversing every policy. He's tearing down our border wall, letting the world come in, while he's erecting a, bo- a wall around the Capitol. Yeah. And that's to project a, a, a storyline. That's, that's all about optics. Mm. You'll never convince me they're in fear of their life inside those walls. They, they know exactly what they're doing. They're writing a storyline to make Christians the problem, uh, just like Nero did, uh, so they can yes. be destroyed. And if we don't stand up and speak up while we still have a voice, he will succeed in this plan, this program that's aimed finally at silencing every preacher like you and like me who stand up and speak up. The, one of the ways they get away with this, Rick, is the Democrat media in America. We have a one-party media and big tech com- conglomerate, plus the education system and uh, the deep state, and they get away with it because the, they framed January 6th, what happened at the Capitol, the, the awful events that happened. It started out with great intentions, and I would say probably 95% of the people there I mean, there were senior citizens with their, you know, <laughs> you know, white hair and Trump hats and just there with their lawn chairs. And they were, there were young people there from across the country. And then there were the radicals infiltrated by Antifa and other groups. And because of what happened, and this was orchestrated. I mean, we haven't even heard some of the investigations of the Capitol Police not doing their jobs and having Pelosi not have enough police. But the media framed it all as this horrific 9-11 event with domestic terrorism pointed at or accusing Trump voters and Republicans, Christians, and freedom-loving Americans that are just patriots that were there that were not involved in the chaos, but the media did their job as far as the job for the left with the propaganda. How can we overcome this narrative, Rick? Well, David, in the first place, I was there. 
64 of us chartered a private aircraft, and we flew to Washington, D.C., uh, to enjoy a celebration of freedom. Mm. Uh, I was in the crowd of uh, probably a half million people, uh, although the press loves to underreport that. Yeah. But there were throngs of people and just ex- ex- excited about uh, their, uh, about what Trump had accomplished, uh, excited about America. And uh, when President Trump said, now let's peaceably walk over to the Capitol, uh, you had no choice. There was such a throng of people, the whole crowd, began moving in, lo- in lockstep toward the Capitol. But when my group got within the eye shot of the Capitol itself, we could see that people were above the barricades. Hmm. And so because I had lived in Washington, D.C. and ministered there for, for just under two years, uh, about three years ago, I know people in the city. I knew Matt Saver's headquarters was on the other side of the Capitol. So I led our group around the Capitol in a, in a big, wide walk around to avoid the con- uh, the congestion at the Capitol itself. We went up into uh, into Matt Saber's three-story office building, all, 50, all 64 of us, and that's when we, we saw television and learned there was a riot that was breaking out. Huh. But I can assure you that was a small, small minority yes. of, the, of the hundreds of thousands of people who gathered just to celebrate their president, mm-hmm. to celebrate his policies, and to stand up and say, we believe something is is wrong with this election. Yeah. I mean, there was that element in all of us, and I still hold and contend that that, that, that election was a stolen election. I believe that, uh, too. It is what it is, and we've got to move forward now with wisdom. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, uh, the left had a plan. Uh, they, they tried everything they could to stop Donald Trump. But on that day, they outwitted him. Uh, they set this thing up. They staged it. Uh, there's no doubt that money changed hands. Yeah. Uh, some of the infiltrators uh, had laid pipe bombs in the Capitol even before that day, way before uh, there was a gathering. Uh, there was a planned uh, incursion. Uh, there were some of our people clearly who got caught up in the, in the whole event. And there's no doubt Trump supporters were there. I'm not denying that. It was a terrible thing that happened, yes. and they should all go to jail. But to blame an entire movement yep. and to use that to, to now destroy that movement is uh, is, is uh, an atrocity that far exceeds uh, the crime that they're penalizing. Uh, the left, uh, in the final analysis, got Trump, and that was always the agenda. Yes, it was, from, from even before he was elected. And what's interesting Correct. is the irony of them saying, or the hypocrisy, I guess, of them saying, uh, you just accept the election results and move on now, when they couldn't accept it for four years. But, Rick, we, they were telling Americans, the media, not to believe our eyes of the, the massive right. rallies of Trump uh, events leading up to the election, of, and hard, Biden hard, not even campaigning. Uh, when he did get out, it was hardly there's hardly any people there. The enthusiasm and all that happened. Plus, if you look back over last summer, the Antifa, the riots in different cities such as Portland, Seattle, and other cities in America, Minneapolis and Atlanta and others, similar things took place at the Capitol that Trump supporters have never done. There has never been violence at a Trump rally. But they're looking at, you know, in other words, they're saying ignore all these rallies or all these riots over the summer, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and others breaking down buildings, burning buildings, and and destroying businesses. There were, I believe, up to four dozen murders or people killed since uh, it broke out last Memorial Day. And then you have the Capitol thing, and something just doesn't add up. And the media, of course, um, they're they're covering for the left, and they will continue to do that. So we've got a lot to overcome. But I want to talk briefly about the voting in elections. They, they were surprised, uh, the Democrats, that there was a red wave that showed up at the polls last November, even with the mail-in voting and the coronavirus threat and the fear and all that. There was a red wave bigger than what they had expected, which is what led to the problems, I believe, in their cheating in the early hours the next morning after Election Day. Um, your thoughts on just how that all came down, and I know we have to accept it and move on, but w- do you think more truth will come out about this and we'll be able to look back and go, okay, I guess we, were, uh, we weren't, weren't too uh, wrong and we weren't conspiracy theorists? Uh, the truth that will come out, uh, 
David, will come out through alternative media like your radio program, and a limited number of Americans will will discover the truth, and and uh, we'll see just how how effective we can be in responding to that truth. But the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> the government-controlled media now will never tell the story. Mm. Uh, the hope for America, and by the way, this shouldn't surprise us. The hope for America is a, a revived pulpit. Uh, the founders, <clears throat> that first revolution that took place, that created the strongest, most noble nation the world has ever known uh, above uh, the founding of Israel uh, in its earliest, uh, uh, in, in the days of David. Uh, the greatest country the, the world has ever known, the genesis of it was the Black Robe Re- Regiment, mm. who went to their people and preached the Bible but always connected the Bible to the events of their day. That's where people went for their education, their, 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 the news, to find out what was happening in Europe. And that's where they learned about the tyranny of the king, and that's where they got the antidote, which was for the church to stand up and be counted. Hmm. Uh, that's where men began training and, and uh, finding uh, uh, the will to stand up against that tyranny. And not until the pulpits again are aflame with righteousness Will we see any hope for this country to be restored? I have dedicated my entire life finding the preachers who get it, Hmm. who, like the sons of Issachar, understand the times and know what it is that must be done. My whole life has been dedicated uh, to equipping those pastors. I believe the true army of God is found in the churches that run less than 300. Yeah. Thank God for the few mighty men in the great churches who are standing. Mm-hmm. But most of these pastors in smaller churches have already been fired twice because they won't, they wouldn't uh, change their message to accommodate a handful of strong-willed deacons or elders. They stood up, and because of that, they've had to move their families. They've had to relocate, but they've landed in pulpits now where they're surrounded by others who will let them preach the truth. That army... Of, of men in smaller churches are looking for leadership, hmm. and they'll stand and they'll die for their faith. And that's the group that I am looking for, those pastors out there who will stand up, speak up, and refuse to give up another inch of ground and empower them collectively to do something great through Gideon's army. Uh, Rick, we've got to take another break, and, and I just I know you're dealing with a little cough. Are, are you able to hang on with us a, a little bit longer? I'll be happy to. Oh, I, I would uh, love that. Pause here for a swig of water. All right, all right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about liberty pastors and what uh, Rick Scarborough was just describing, what what movement is happening that might encourage you, and uh, just a lot more when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. With David Fiorazzo. We're with Dr. Rick Scarborough, Recover America Now. And you've got to share the story about, uh, you know, Paul Blair and D. James Kennedy. But before you do, uh, Rick, I want to thank you for the work that you've done to try to gather a remnant of patriot pastors. And the yeah. event that I attended last, uh, September, early September, Liberty Pastors, a 911 call. Um, to America's pastors, that really was a catalyst in my heart, in my life. I was feeling a little beat up. I was feeling like a little lone ranger at times, uh, looking for other watchmen and wondering where they were. But when I met some of the men of God there, it, it encouraged my faith. It stiffened my spine. I came back with a new energy, and I've been blessed. Our listening audience has been blessed to have some of the many pastors that were also there speaking at uh, the the pastors conference so i would like like for you to share a little bit about liberty pastors and then please tell that story about paul blair and and d james kennedy that event well the liberty pastor uh, idea actually came from paul that uh, we didn't have a name for these guys i just <laughs> called them patriot pastors uh, but what paul and, and dan fisher have done is is give a name to the movement there are now probably 500 men who've been through some of our training, whether it was a three-day conference like you attended or uh, even a, as short as a two-hour luncheon. But these are men in smaller churches primarily that have stood up and said, enough is enough. Hmm. Uh, my, my friendship with Paul is profound. 
and it had such a great start. I was preaching for the second time for D. James Kennedy. The first time I was just one of many. He invited me back as the keynote in what turned out to be the last of the of the uh, Reclaiming America National Conferences uh, there at his great church in South Florida. But I, I was preaching the final message. I was standing at the pulpit, 800 men, a few women in the crowd, and I, I came down hard on the pulpit, and I said, who'll stand with me? And I, it was just dead silence. So a second time, who'll stand with me? And suddenly a six-foot-seven-inch a former NFL football player <laughs> rose to his feet and shouted, I will. And I mean, it just, it just, it just, everybody in the crowd just was in shock because it was clearly a rhetorical question. <laughs> no expectation that anyone would say anything. Well, man, I said, I got to get to know this guy. And that began a 20 year friendship. Wow. Uh, we're scheduled this next month to vacation together. Uh, I love him like a brother. Uh, this guy is a towering oak, and uh, he has far surpassed me in his ability to articulate apologetics. He's become uh, not only a dear friend, but a man that I greatly admire. Oh, my goodness. And his knowledge and, and expertise in Marxism, globalism, and the anti-American exactly. agendas coming against America and the church— it is so beneficial. I know there's uh, the Liberty Pastors website, and I know they probably have some of his sermons up at the Fairview Baptist Church on Facebook. I encourage people to go check those out. That's Paul Blair. Um, Rick, we have heard headlines of Christian pastors in America be fined or sued, or they've got there's court cases like Steve Smotherman has uh, court cases with the government. Right. I think their church was fined ten thousand dollars for for holding a Christmas Eve service. Well, we right. have a story recently of a Christian pastor in Canada that was jailed for holding services, and I think he might still be in jail. They said they'd, they'd they'd release him if he promised to discontinue Sunday services, but he refused. Is this coming to America? In your opinion. Uh, it's it's in America, no question about it. Uh, James Coates is the pastor you're referring to at Grace Life Church in Edmonton. Yes. And uh, the uh, the latest thing I can find is he's still in jail because he won't comply. And of course, that's the last thing uh, that the government officials want because it's drawing attention uh, to their tyrannical acts of preacher in jail for preaching. Mm. And that's exactly what it is. In Steve Smotherman's case, uh, bless his heart. You talk about courage. Mm. Uh, he, he has several times in his uh, TV program said, "The state of the, the state of New Mexico is stealing money from this church that we allocate to feed the poor, and uh, they do. They spend tens of thousands of dollars uh, every month uh, feeding the hungry across wow. the uh, city of Albuquerque and beyond. Mm. And now the government is coming in and stealing that money from them, and that's." That's the proper frame. That's exactly what's happening. And, uh, and not until enough preachers have such courage will this stop. Uh, you know, I can remember going out on the West Coast and having John MacArthur attend a luncheon where he made it clear to us that he believed what we were doing was antithetical to the teaching of God's Word. And buddy, let me tell you, when a young preacher, and I was young in those days, uh, when a young preacher finds himself under attack by a theologian like John MacArthur, it'll make you stop and pause. But his belief was that Romans 13 clearly taught that you're to submit to the government uh, and uh, never rebel in any way. He even taught at that time that, that the American Revolution was a, was a sinful act. But boy, when they came down on wow. his church, yep. he got a different viewpoint. And he's become one of our advocates and allies now. Yes. Uh, that's what it takes sometimes is, is it takes an attack that causes the men of God to understand that it costs me something. Hmm. Unfortunately, until it comes right to a person's door, do they take any account whatsoever. But it's coming to your door now, uh, Christians. It's here. And it's time to stand with men like David. Amen. And uh, with what the Biden administration is already doing with these transgender ordinances, these these executive orders, that they will affect not only your daughters in high school competing against boys, but uh, it's going to affect the church, nonprofits, and uh, Christian adoption agencies. And we can go on down the list. But these are, they're taking advantage of their, quote, uh, emergency powers. Yeah, and David, let me just interject. Sure. They love to tell us that it's all based on science. 
But these men that are basing it on science deny the science of anatomy when it comes to a man (laughs) declaring he's a woman. Exactly. Uh, This is not scientific. It's nothing but a power grab. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had Dr. Andy Woods on last Friday, and uh, you know he's down there near Houston, and what Texas has gone through with the uh, green energy failures, and uh, he was talking about the quote science, what what led to them starting to uh, go for these green energy policies. But that's a whole other story. Um, th- there's a really a concern now that uh, more. Christians are going to be affected by some of these overreaches. There's already millions, countless millions, Rick, that have either been affected economically, they've lost their businesses, so there's financial hardship. The the calls to national helplines and the suicide rate is off the charts. We were meant to be, as a church, we're meant to be in fellowship, but human beings need interaction. And not only are they trying to keep us separate with this non proven, non-scientific social distancing, but we're covering the image of God with these masks on our faces. Isn't it interesting that that's what they do in Islam? They cover up women's faces. Correct. It's almost, it's almost uh, an act of making them submit. What are your thoughts on just this idea of masks? I know there's a big debate even in the church on their effectiveness, but I think it's just not good or healthy for Americans or people in general. Uh, everybody looks the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the whole idea of uh, everybody has the same pay, everybody has the same size house, mm-hmm. everybody goes to the same school, government tells you what you can study, what you cannot study. They're, the individual is being lost, and uh, everybody is being molded into one Interesting. so that they can control the whole. Mm-hmm. And let me also just interject this. Uh, big business has flourished through uh, COVID-19. Uh, whether it's big tech, uh, whether it's uh, Amazon, whose who's, uh, uh, business has exploded off the charts, all of these big businesses are global. Uh, they, they, they want a one-world economic order. But small businesses, these are the men uh, that, uh, where, that coach the Little League Ball Club. They attend the local church. They tithe to their church. Uh, they're the ones that are the heart and soul of any given community. They have been the targeted, the target for being destroyed. And uh, it, this is a concerted, well-planned effort to finally bring the entire country to its knees. Hmm. And it's going to succeed if the church doesn't quickly rise up. David, never has what, you, has what you're doing been more essential hmm. to, the, to the welfare of this country. And you didn't ask me to say this, but your listeners need to know that they need to help you financially. You hmm. can't do what, what you're doing without people lovingly supporting you in prayer. You're now a target. Mm-hmm. In fact, that you're interviewing me means that somebody's listening to this. They were already because uh, your fame is growing. Uh, but there are haters of God yeah. who target men like you and I. They'll extract one phrase that David says and make that uh, appear in websites to destroy him. Never has, is it, has it been more important than you, the listener, pray for this man and financially support this man because he's bringing you the truth, and the truth is what sets men free. Mm, Therefore, God. the truth is hated by the left. Um, thank you for those kind words, uh, Dr. Scarborough. Uh, Jesus said, abide in me, I will abide in you, and you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. Um, and he's saying this to the most religious leaders of his time, which is uh, ironic. But um, your your thoughts, we only have three minutes left. Um, I'm concerned about the Supreme Court. I wasn't earlier, like last year, a year ago, I would have said, whoa, that's one of the few things, it seems, to be going in our favor, all the judicial appointments that uh, the federal judges that Trump put into to place and also the Supreme Court appointments, three of them. But now it seems like they might be fearful of the Democrat threats to pack the courts because some of these recent decisions that they chose not to take up a certain case, it's just disappointing. So what what are your thoughts on the Supreme Court in uh, just two minutes? Well, we need to remember that whenever it was popular to be conservative, they were unashamed of their conservative positions. Hmm. But it's not popular to be conservative any longer. These men are products of their education. They're products of their environment. They go home to a family. They have family gatherings. Nobody wants to leave uh, 
the most cushy job they've ever got gotten. But as the left continues to consolidate their power, there is the strong temptation on the most conservative of them to compromise, to Mm. keep favor among those who will make them or break them. Mm. Uh, Therefore, uh, and and the only thing that can give a man the strength to stand in light of that kind of pressure is a genuine relationship to Jesus Christ that that, that feeds upon the Word of God. I don't know that about these men, any of them, even the most recent appointees. But I do know something about the way the world works. Hmm. And we shouldn't be surprised if they begin shifting, softening, so that they can maintain their status. Because that, frankly, is the temptation that every listener on this, uh, to this radio program faces in, in their world. It just so happens the world of the Supreme Court is much more visible hmm. and much larger in its impact. Paul wrote, uh, you, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Dr. Rick Scarborough, your podcast, three days a week, recoveramericanow.org. We thank you so much for your time and your encouragement that the church must never stop being the true church. And so thank you for your time. God bless you, brother, and let's keep God fighting the good you. fight. You bet. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Um, Wow, just uh, I'm just so blessed to be able to talk to some of the the guests we have, and uh, what a blessing with all that he's done and throughout the years, throughout the decades for the church and for just Christians in America. But when we come back, we'll let you know who you can hear from in the next couple days on Stand Up for the Truth. We appreciate you guys. Keep it right here. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow you will hear a rebroadcast with Matt Truella. He's a pastor in Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, missionaries to the preborn, and the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. And on Thursday, we've got a brand new guest, Jason Jimenez. Um, you're going to really enjoy him. He's with Stand Strong Ministries, reinforcing biblical truth and a great new book out that we'll talk about. And then Friday, Dr. Cal Beisner with the Cornwall Alliance and the Stewardship of Creation. And we'll talk about these, this Green New Deal and the green energy uh, movement and the progressive movement, really, about globalism and population control, all these things that fall under environmental concerns. That's on Friday. So great guests coming up. Thank you guys for your prayers and continued support. Email me anytime, comments at standardforthetruth.com. And as always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.